0: everybody
1: around the world welcome it is the bottom tier i am greg i am matt and today my friends we are joined by our super special guest local luminary in front of the show marshall metter what's up man
2: i did it i'm finally on this podcast yeah
1: it took only like seven episodes (laughs) however long it's been now several episodes yeah until we finally broke him down everybody
2: they did it i had to sell my kid to get on here but uh Worth worth it. Worth it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Really,
1: nothing is as good as the bottom tier as far as I'm concerned.
2: He'll thank me later. Exactly. <laughs>
1: or not. So, so Marshall, we're going to get into some into some real stuff a little bit later. But
0: uh, I think uh, just starting off, we'll open up with some news. How do we feel about news? Yeah, news. news. Let's talk about it. There's been a lot of crazy things happening. Marshall, you actually lived through quite a bit of it. There's news that we're going to report. So getting an insider scoops gonna be great. But, uh, hey, Prism's LL'd. <gasps> Woo! Prism's living legend. That's
1: huge or, news. You know, boo, depending on if you're a Prism player or not.
2: You know, actually, one of the biggest things that no one takes away from this is she's the first natural LL. When Ooh. we think about Starvo, there was nothing natural about that. When we no. think about Chain, when he first came out, he shot straight up to the top. We had to do bands right away, so Prism is actually the first hero we can actually look at and think, how is LL supposed to go? And when we see, she had about a year and a half of life. So is this Legend Story Studios plan? Is that each hero should get maybe a year and a half if she's really good or he's really good? So to me, that's actually one of the biggest takeaways.
1: And that is a really interesting sort of uh, perspective to take it from, Uh, especially with you know really the meta-warping reality of Starvo. Um, and chain having to be smacked down pretty quick. Um, exactly what you were talking about the natural progression of it. If like a year, year and a half is what they were shooting for before they have to recycle like the talent and the class sort of abilities, um, that, I mean, that's a really good design for what they're looking at, right? Um, it gives you long enough to be able to really, you know, explore the hero a little bit while not being so long that it just hangs on beyond the point where it's welcome or it's fallen way behind in the meta or something like that. It really gives you the opportunity to play it to its fullest extent, let it go off to those pastures uh in a in a dignified way, and then you move on to something
0: else. I, I mean for sure. And I think Prism, like beyond like there's a lot of people that said that prism was unfair, or whatever. I think prism was a very fair hero. There was definitely ways to be able to get around it, in my opinion. There was maybe like a card that was like cr- kind of crazy and and warping that was that was cool, but I think prism was a super fair hero. And I was very surprised. I think my most surprising thing about the flesh of blood community is immediately as soon as like as soon as prism was LL, like a majority of the people's like let's get Briar out! <laughs> <was just> like, <laughs> they just moved on to the next year. Like, the next one, throw him out. We yeah, don't need him. Yeah. So now Briar is apparently the boogeyman of of the meta according to them, but I don't know if that's going to be the case because it, it was interesting. Like, Prism was on the cusp of like two points away for a very long time, like a month. Like, it took a while to get there, and so that was really interesting to me is like actually people are like nah, prisms not that whatever we have this new thing going on and so i was it came right up to the
1: line and then nudged over
0: yep yeah. so that's my opinion on it pretty cool
1: it is it is pretty good stuff yeah. and, it's, and it's nice to see that um that there's not anything really in the meta right now that warps the entire thing around it like going back to the starvo example like if you weren't playing starbo you had to play anti starvo or you just lose um, there's not, as far as I can tell, and you gentlemen, of course, can correct me if you think differently or if you see something that I'm missing, um, there's not really that sort of thing in the meta right now. Like, Fire's kind of scary, Briar's kind of scary, um, I think we're going to see more Guardian uh, coming in with Prism uh, being gone now. Um, but no one is really, like, standing out as, you know, the face of the meta, you know what I mean? There's no, like, crazy, like, it's this hero and
2: all the other ones, you know? I think there's no pure dominant uh hero. I do think the rune blades are standing above the rest. I think we even see this from the Pro Tour, the top four choices were um Briar. I do think though the biggest problem with them actually is again their equipment. I've always been a uh, about this. To me, their blocks are too good for the damage output they do, and I do think they naturally have an edge. Uh, Also, something that uh, people don't think about is their equipment. If we substitute one of our own for Null Rune, that's actually a buff for them. So we're already being nerfed ourselves by playing weaker equipment while they're still block great. So I don't think there's any warping hero, but I do expect us to see a huge meta of Briar again. And I think that's why we're going to see her become the boogeyman is because she's the easy deck. When we look at Fi, for example, when you brought him up, we only saw one Fi in the top twenty of Pro Tour 2. So after the stubby bands, which I think was a very much needed ban or a great ban, we see that he's actually where he should be. He's new user friendly, but he's still good and powerful at a nice acceptable level. That yeah. like
1: upper middle tier thing that you're looking for, with really like most heroes, like that's a sweet spot. Like no one too dominant fairly easy to pick up or fairly not easy to pick up, but able to slot in a uh, into a particular place and just kind of chill there. Um I Rune Blades, a hundred percent. Rune Blades are great. Um Briar is gonna be the next to go. I think that we can all kind of agree on that.
0: For sure. And for b- sure. And I like I don't think like and I don't think Breyer's unfair either. Like I do think it's gonna be kind of Briar going is going to be actually a very interesting thing to watch because of Rosetta Thorne oh, going Rosetta. with it. Because th- that's how it works. So that would be just super interesting to watch and kind of experience and not have to worry about, like, the 2 and 2 Arcane, which could be able to be awesome for everyone else. But, hey, they'll probably make Rosetta Thorn 2 and has the slightly two attacks version. or something. I oh, who knows, but it's cool. I like it. So what do you, like, with Prism LL, where do you think, like, what do you think the Prism players, because I know there's a lot of Prism players that really like playing Prism, uh, where do you think they're gonna move to? What's a deck that's like easily like turned I, into? I
1: think it kind of depends on how they're playing Prism, because really, like broadly speaking, and again, please correct me, because I'm you know I've only been in the you know the card the game biz for, for a couple months exactly for not a super long time at this point. But broadly speaking, there's like two way to, ways to play Prism. You can go super super like spectral shield and aura heavy, or you go you know super big smack him in the face with you know your sixes and your seven and your eight sort of attacks. So I think we're going to see a split between people who play more of like the aura, the spectral shield way, gravitating more towards like a Dromai or something like that. And then the ones who sort of just stack the big turns going more towards like Guardian or something along those lines.
2: I actually would say I agree with that a lot. Um, I do think Dromai will actually be a pretty natural progression for a lot of people who really love auras. I also think Dash, actually, just the building up of items. Oh, Dash, there
1: you go, yeah. I think
2: one of the big things that will actually decide a lot is when Dynasty does come out or we start seeing card reveals, because I think that's going to push him in a lot of directions. I also hear from a lot of Prism players, they're thinking about a deck like Icelander, now, it might seem like they're very different, but I think, actually, the aura build loves to control. Exactly. It likes to put pressure, and it likes, again, do things that really annoy the opponent. And to me, Icelander is that. With Prism kind of llling. I do see her coming back strongly. I think we're going to see the Guardians come back, actually, in very strong waves. So to me, I do think we're going to see, like, Dromai, Icelander, Guardians. Maybe that's too many heroes to, you know, pick from to say they're going to be playing all of them. But I really do feel like... That's kind of their bread and butter. Once Prism goes,
0: I, uh, I, yeah, I think what you guys said is is pretty cool uh, and and accurate. I was gonna say, like, I do think Jeremiah is a good illusionist and and good to to go there, but you mentioned Dynasty. Like, I know this is coming out Friday. I know this podcast is coming out Friday, and you all are seeing the Dynasty news, and we really pushed the limit to try to get Dynasty news but in it's, here. But it's, it's 7.30 it's
1: p.m. here Thursday in uh, night. Central
0: Arizona And Thursday so we missed night. it. So we apologize yeah. for Dynasty. But hey, congrats. You're going to hear us talk all about it next week, so make sure you stay tuned for that. Uh, we're going to talk Shameless for a, a week straight. You ready for that, Marshall? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just kidding. That would be great. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's, that's great. Prisms all-held. Yeah. Uh, um, We have the national championship in uh, the United States, uh, kind of starting September 23rd to the 25th in uh, Charlotte north carolina but you're going to be able to watch kind of the new meta unfold on the 11th which is really exciting for news and then you got to experience uh one of the reasons marshall that we invited you on the show was he just did an awesome Lexi deck tech for us which had a lot of cool uh experiences happening in the middle of it but also uh you participated that you participated in uh the pro tour and lil is that how you say it you were there
2: I believe so.
0: Lil, perfect. Awesome. Uh did
1: the first time. Proud s-
2: of you.
0: So you first got to see firsthand the new hero reveal from Dynasty, the Emperor.
2: Yes. The first. Dracarys. James White came out. He was excited. Uh, I I thought to myself, this is going to be a young hero. Everyone said, I don't know about that and a uh, little... Or much did I know, uh, it was a young hero. Surprise! It's wow. a Blitz hero. Surprise! I think what most people tend to forget with these expansion sets is the majority of the heroes are young. When we look at Crucible, they were all young. When we look at Everfest, we had Valda, we had Genus, we had the other one. There we go. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Icelander. Iceland wasn't there Yep, Valda, Genus, Icelander. But those are the three we had. We had Starvo. So Starvo, Starvo, to me, was the outlier. I do think we're going to continue this kind of um, thing they're building up, which is we're going to probably get one adult hero. But to me, yeah, the Emperor is obviously going to probably be young, especially this early of a reveal. I think the most interesting thing, again, is obviously he is a uh, wizard, but he's also a warrior, so the first dual class, if you will. The
1: hybrid, yeah.
2: I agree with a lot of people. I think we need to see his weapon But I don't believe the Emperor whatsoever is meant to be a serious Blitz hero. I believe with his 15 words at the bottom of his card, (laughs) he's meant to be fun, ridiculous, and have one person build a deck that somehow was really good. <laughs> I,
0: I, like, we were talking about deck techs a little bit earlier, uh, which is a video too, soon too, but we were talking about it, and I do think there's, like, a lot of viable things you could do, especially with, like, Flamescale Furnace in that deck, which is pretty exciting. Like, if you put that with the Emperor, you're gonna have some cool stuff, so I do think the emperor is gonna actually, like, Get some LL points, like not be at the bottom, but it will still kind of be that like fun deck that you're talking about. He's
1: he's not going to show up and immediately jump to the top of the list or anything, but I think he is going to have a very specific niche and that niche is going to be screwing with people who did not think through what he could do and just get smacked in the face with a command and conquer at the end of every turn.
2: So, actually, the biggest thing I didn't think about, I don't know if it was revealed if he's a Majestic or a Rare or just whatever.
1: Rarity was not shown off. Was the only think. thing we've seen is the is the promo stuff.
2: But that's what I... So, for me, I'm thinking if he was actually in Commodore... Now that would probably be the most fun deck I can think about building. Having oh, that'd a, be crazy! Uh, that would be crazy fun. Now you just couldn't
0: use his ability to its fullest. The Command and Conquer. Unless yeah, I don't unless,
2: even care about. That. I'm gonna put all the wizards. <laughs> right. I'm gonna put all the. Oh my!
1: Hot God. take: five bucks on the table, American greenbacks. <laughs> 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 they're re- never that before. They're reprinting Command and Conquer. They're gonna make it a common.
2: Well, I, I I half agree with that. I think
0: they'll reprint it. One day they will
2: it. reprint the card. No, I do believe it will probably be in Dynasty. I believe that's actually maybe the biggest thing they're trying to hint at. I do think uh, LSS loves hinting at things and kind of showing it off. Oh, they Di- are huge fans of well, the I mean, bag and the, the little breadcrumb. The, the, Emperor,
0: the Emperor is the guy on the cover of C&C. No. Oh, for sure.
2: It's a different guy.
0: I mean, they look similar to me. <laughs>
2: He offered you five greenbacks. I'll offer you five didgeridoo's. That's Australian money, of course. Ooh, but um, the dollary, nah. doos. dollary <laughs> doos, There we go. Yeah, I've Fair seen enough. the
0: Simpsons. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, cool. Well, new here, I'm excited. It's gonna be cheeky. It's gonna be weird. Uh, the and cheeky
1: and weird is the best. Like it, cheeky
0: and weird is where the fun. I at. thought it was fake it when I first saw it because of all those names. So. Perfect. It's the perfect card.
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm quietly waiting for the, like, the Baker class or something. Like, oh, yeah. Like that the comes out
2: next set. Yeah. It's going to be a... Guys, stop spoiling yeah, it. Yeah, the, oh, next, set's, the next
0: set's going to feature Chichen Chong. You know? I didn't <laughs> want to say... It better. Like, no lie. It better.
2: <laughs> but Bottom Tier has an exclusive card for Dynasty. It's the Baker class. It's so good, guys.
0: <laughs> yeah, we totally... We're there, guys. We got the exclusive. It's weapons. Stiff Bread. James, James
1: White himself loves our podcast and our content so much that he flew out here to hand
2: deliver these promo cards he to us. He personally told me in France. He said it's the best podcast. Oh, ever. wow. You heard it right here, Look folks. At that.
0: Yeah, you know. Cool. We'll have a reveal, and I just hope that it just stays to our brand. It's like If we ever get one, James White, if you ever hear this podcast, make we, sure it's the worst card you've ever made. Literally, like,
1: Don't even do art. Like, zero damage, nine cost, a stick figure no, no. as the art. That's us go.
2: He can personally draw in. Exactly. Yeah, there
0: you go. We love that card. That'd be great. They'd probably sell for a lot of money. I'm just kidding.
2: <laughs> We'd get it, for pass it down to our grandchildren. <laughs>
0: With that, we've touched on it quite a bit, and it's one of the reasons, uh, Marshall, you're on the podcast, but you're, t- you're also here because you're a great friend and an icon of the community. And we love having you just around. You have good energy. It's just great to talk with it, you. Absolutely. It. It also, like, aka, kind of like my rival, every time I've you, I always try to win, and I never do, so it's great. Uh, it is Pro Tour Lil uh, is over. We saw what happened. We saw... The calling, we saw that there are four briars at the end, and you participated in it. You were ringed to
1: 41st. 41st, everybody. Stop and think about that for a second. How many people were there, guys? 42. No, I'm just
0: <laughs> <laughs> there was
2: 43. I don't want anyone to believe that 42 number. Okay. It's, it's fake news. No,
0: man. you placed 41st out of what? It was like 300, 350? I
2: was going to say, I believe the number was about 360, is mm-hmm. from what I heard. I thought one other time I heard around 380. But, yeah, it was around that number, oh, about 350, is what we'll say.
0: Yeah. So, like, what was your experience like? Like, what you, you went there repping Lexi and did really, really well. Uh, like, what was your experience? Kind of like, what was the matches like? And, and how do you feel it is? Like, I know it's way America has a different meta than Europe. You got to experience the Europe meta and how people played. Like, how, how was the whole thing?
2: So the whole thing, I would say, just it was great. I actually thought uh, one of the things that impressed me most is how the event was ran. I personally thought it was actually super well done. I thought all the judges were really on it. So to me, that was actually wonderful. Uh, for the event, of course, there was two formats. There was draft on both days. There was CC on both days. Of course, there was a third day, but that's only for top eight. So obviously very exclusive, and that was all CC. Um, I think the biggest takeaway for me wasn't CC, because to me, even though America might have a different meta, you kind of know what to expect. You have an idea, and there's only so much you can do to innovate on certain decks. So to me, like when you play a Viscerai, when you play a Briar... Yeah, there might be six cards that are a little bit different, but but for the most part, you're you like
1: basically know what they're going to be.
2: Channel Mount Heroic, got it. Yep. <laughs> Viscariant, got it. You're going to make a. You're going to do more. Oh, cool.
1: Ninety seven rune chance, delightful. Uh,
2: exactly. Prism. What you play auras? No. So again, you, you kind of expect these things. I think the biggest thing for me was draft. Uh, that was the format I did a worst in. But um, the ideas or the things you're thinking about, like oh, uh, what kind of works in my area? What do people normally do? For example, uh, again, we're all from Arizona. Something that I often see is maybe Oasis or Spites. They stick around a little bit longer. Equipment, um, a lot of ninja equipment gets taken quickly. But other ones, they may be the quilling equipment. Again, you have a few more turns. So for the um, Pro Tour, really seeing what people, again, value the most is different. And when you're trying to plan for maybe I'll get this in two turns and get a little extra value when it doesn't come back around, you start going, oh, okay, I'm in a worse spot, and you maybe try to, you know, uh, go towards that and work with it. But for uprising draft, in my opinion, it's it's really tough to um, come back from that stuff. It's a type of draft where I feel like you have to make your decision right away, and that can really lead to tough things, especially too when, in my opinion, you just get a bad matchup. You can have the best Phi deck in the world, but if you play the best Icelander deck in the world and they go first, well, in my opinion, ah, you're you're Congratulations,
1: here's nine Frostbites and I'm threatening five Arcane next turn.
2: Exactly. And even if you have, again, such a great deck, if this is the one time you draw all your blues as Phi, the one time, and the Icelander goes, wow, I just got this great hand. So to me that was really interesting to kind of see play out what people favor and see the decks that win to me the one thing I found interesting it did seem like Dromai was underrepresented and it seems like, again, a lot of people were kind of light on her. So Fi and Icelander were the two decks that people always seemed to be drawn to. Most.
1: Well, it, it, hmm. it, it seems to me that Dromai is kind of tricky in draft. Because like, if you don't pull your dragons, you're kind of out of luck. If you don't pull the support that you need for it, you're kind of out of luck. Whereas with like Fi or Icelander, Icelander, as long as you get the blue wizard actions, you're doing okay. And as long as you get a lot of the draconic chains and stuff, you're doing okay for Fi. But Dromai seems just a lot more particular than either of the other two heroes in the set.
2: I agree, and I also think people have just practiced on her the least. And I think, again, like when you go to a big tournament like this, a lot of people, I feel, are going to play the things that are like comfort champions to them. To me, I think that's why Phi is so favorited, is because, to me, anybody can understand it. In fact, I think Phi is one of the best heroes for teaching a new player. Yeah. So to me, when Very you say, hey, if you're going to face another Phi, you're going to have a good deck, are you going to feel comfortable? Yes. Now, if I say, hey, you're going to play Icelander, you're going to have a great deck. You're gonna face a great dromai. You're gonna start going, oh no! You're, you're gonna start getting worried. You know, I think even it might sound funny, but as a five player, even against an Icelander, even if you're worried, you kind of go, I can win. I can do this. When you start having I'm just terrible matchups, overwhelm though, exactly. I'm gonna go first. I'm gonna go red, 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 red. Fifteen blaze headlongs. They're gonna die. Yeah, one turn
0: for sure. Like I, I noticed that for sure in our, in our local draft is just dromai is is trickier to be able to play and it has a tougher time. So it makes sense that people kind of go away from it uh, as a hero. And phi is always like the favorite pick. Like there's always four to like two, two or four to even, or four or five to even like one, two and Fys usually end up on, on top. Typically what, what was your hero that you ended up drafting both times?
2: So for me, again, I did kind of go with the comfort pick, but I also feel very good. I did go with five both times. To me, for I would say uh, most of our local drafts, I often do feel like I go 2-1, 3-0 on FI. So my plan going into Pro uh, Tour Lil was I was thinking, you know what? If I go 2-1 on both drafts, I'll be very happy. Because to me, I feel very good with my CC deck and Lexi. So I thought, you know, if I go 2-1, 2-1, lose two matches, I'm I'm happy. And I know a lot of people might say, no, you got to go for 3-0. But to me, I want to play my odds. So, I went with five both times.
0: Nice. And so, where did you end up? Like at the end of the tournament, what was your total score? I guess.
2: So my total score was nine five. Mm-hmm. Um, for draft, I went. Um, I had four losses. I had two wins. So for again, draft didn't do good. I would say whatsoever, to be honest. Mm. Uh, for CC, I went seven and one. So I played eight rounds. I uh, lost my very last match with Lexi against a very good old him player. But again, these things happen.
1: But still, I mean, seven and one is a great record. Like that's phenomenal.
2: Oh, definitely. I, I played a variety of heroes for Lexi. I played against two Bravos, two Prisms, two Briars, a fine old him. Again, um, I would say for Prism, most Prism players expect. Um, to destroy you, but um, as with some of the deck tech we showed off a little bit earlier, um, one of the cards I find super helpful and just lets me win against Prism is Time Skippers against Bravo. I find it an to- uh, even matchup, but uh, one of the cards that I defeated both Bravos with, and they both didn't understand, was Red Electrify. Um, again, the buffs and just presenting all this damage, people can't always handle it. And once you start stripping a hero of their equipment, in my opinion, Lexi becomes such an easy deck to overwhelm somebody with.
0: That's awesome. I'm, I am I'm I just remember being over here just rooting for you, hoping maybe we'd see you on stream or anything like that. So we're just stoked that you were able to, to get so far and, and have you over there. Super thrilled. And,
1: yeah. and to, to be repping the Central Arizona scene and everything, like kudos to you man like it's 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 tough to get into these things like by design and then especially you know nobody ever thinks like oh those phoenix arizona players like what a good group of players
2: (laughs) yeah like playing i would say um i've played pretty much right before monarch came out and again i've been a i would say a very serious player since then i went to like the first las vegas calling and the states which was the first big event for almost everyone I think everybody in the region, right, they kind of feel like, oh, I have a good one. But I do feel like um, for Phoenix, again, we, we've been growing, you know, not hugely, but, uh, you know, pretty steadily. And I just feel like we do have a number of dedicated players. Again, one of the big names that most people would know from our region is um Alex War, um mm-hmm. who plays Kano. Again, he uh, got top eight during the first uh, pro tour, um, won the second Las Vegas calling. So... Not just to go off of him. Again, we have many great players who, again, I think a lot of us would respect. Um, we realize they're great. And to me, again, uh, we're just dedicated. And I th- feel like we have a really good positive community for the most part. You know, We're happy to help each other. We're uh, excited. And, and to me, I think that's what Flesh and Blood does better than most other card games. Yeah. We, we want to see you. We want to give you stuff. We want to help you. We want to tell you how you can get better and play it's a it's a horribly tough game, and I mean that in a positive way but eh, you, you gotta lose for a while and I feel like we try to put so much positivity into the game to try to counterbalance that
0: oh for sure i i hundred percent agree like coming off of my i think it's like two maybe three months now I'm just coming out to local armories and stuff and consistently losing like I now finally feel like I have a pretty good grasp of the game and an understanding like Ah, if I play this, like, this is making them think like this. And this is, like, its strategy is finally, like, coming and and understanding. So you're right. Like, I think, like, through a lot of the steeples of, like, you and and other people in our community, you've been really able to push that positivity, kind of stick with it, and go forward. So thanks. Thanks for that. 100% 100% awesome.
1: and, and like really especially with a game like this it has that competitive sort of thing built into it having people who will sit across the table from you and go like hey that was a really great game man that was really well played hey can I give you some advice or hey could you show me what you were trying to do with this setup or something like that and just really be engaged in not just the game that happens but then in you as a player and like as what you're trying to work out with your deck like that is that's special and that's rare mm-hmm I've played some other TCGs in my time. I was big into like Yu-Gi-Oh! and Magic back in the day. Um, And that sort of attitude as far as what I've experienced doesn't really exist in a lot of other games. And because, especially like you mentioned, Marshall, this is a tough game to pick up. Like, there's definitely a curve to learn how to play and then to get good at it. Having that sort of positive reinforcement um, and then being able to sort of play into that yourself and like give back a little bit to the community in that way, like, that's huge. That's really honestly like one of the biggest things that drew me to this game was I started getting really into it was just that all the other people around me who were playing it were all just really cool people and they were here to have a good time and yeah, be competitive on top of that, but mostly just to enjoy playing a card game together.
2: Definitely. And that's how I feel about it. Again, when I, I think for at least our community, I can't speak for everyone. A lot of us are in our twenties, maybe even early thirties. And to me, we're all adults. A lot of us have family. We have jobs. A chunk of us have kids, right? Like, we, we have busy, full lives, and I think we understand that, and we can respect that. I mean, I, I've i had a long history of trading card games. I played Yu-Gi-Oh! when I was young. I played Magic for a lot of years. And, like, for me, it's it's funny because this is the only card game I know where we don't we don't fire Saturdays and Sundays, and as quiz we're clearly all all doing stuff, but we'll all take a time on a Monday or a Wednesday or a Friday or you know,
1: get together for to, a couple to, of hours.
2: Exactly to get together, enjoy it and talk. I'll be honest, I, I play flesh and blood more than anything for the people. If if I didn't enjoy this community, I wouldn't play the game. And and when we were talking about like losing, what I would say for like any new players or anyone listening to this Again, I went seven on one uh, in Lil on my constructed deck. The first month I played Flesh and Blood, I did not win a game. And I do not mean I won one, I mean I won zero games. I enjoyed almost every person I played against, and I was learning and getting better. And again, I came from Yu Gi Oh! and Magic and other card games, and I've played everything, but I could not win a game for a whole. <laughs> my, I got my face kicked in so many times and everyone was so nice and i went you know what i'm having a ball and then i finally remember when i won my first game and i went
0: yes yeah
1: (laughs) yeah for sure that that memory will be with you forever
2: exactly
0: for sure well i i have another question here for you a question about a question we saw that you were asking a question a good old james white while you're there pro tour man the myth the legend what did you what did you ask
2: So what I asked to him was what LSS is kind of doing to try to help new players. I think one of the biggest problems with Flesh and Blood, as we were talking about a little bit, is that the game is super competitive. So I think one of the tough things is, is that when you join the game, even if you do want to get a lot better, you're facing someone of, say, maybe a year, two years of experience. If you're in New Zealand, three years of experience. How do you compete at that level? Again, for me, I've spent, again, playing Lexi. I've played her when she first came out. I honestly don't feel I'm going to you know, have a hard time playing against any other Lexi player if they just started. Why? Because I know this in and out. And I know you could say that's for any other game, but to me, I do feel like every single decision of Flesh and Blood matters. And when you have people, again, who know how to get that 05 value out of this whole you know like card game I'm saying this poorly but uh, out of this whole you know like play set oh I'm going to play this card here this card here I'm going to maximize this I'm going to value this even when the games are close because I see a lot of new players they start it takes a week they learn the game pretty good I'm like wow you know how to play this game two weeks go by you, you really know your deck after a month. Wow. You can play really well. But when I see them go up against the, again, the, the veterans, oh, there's, there's a wide gap. <laughs> and, and, and it's like, unless they're going to literally spend hours and hours and hours and just, uh, this is my deck. I'm going to play this. I'm going to learn them every matchup. Mm-hmm. There's still this wide margin. So to kind of go back, what, what I asked him was, how can we help onboard new players? How can we make this, um, group and this environment friendly for people so they want to play? Um, again, James, he, he kind of said what he said in the past. We're making PVE. We're trying to help grow the game. We're trying to, you know, help reach out with things like classic battles, which I do think is a decent start, but I do think we need to move the game somewhat in an environment where there isn't an event every month. Again, me being a very competitive player, this is how I can feel. We go from a, skirmish into a pro quest into a pro tour into nationals into worlds and i go i love this game i'll play it all the time i need i need a break guys like give me a moment and i
0: i mean i i see that too like being someone who's like oh i want to go to a pro tour i want to go to a nationals I'm like oh, i'm gonna go to the next one oh, i'm gonna it's like oh there's one right oh there's one right now like i'm gonna miss it and then you kind of get like the you know fomo fear of missing out and and worry that you're not going to go to the next one, but it is kind of daunting in that, in that aspect for sure. So, uh, I mean, I think our community is doing pretty well. Like, uh, you've, you've helped and, uh, we've helped start like commoner and stuff like that, which I think is the best like barrier to entry. Like that's what helped me learn the game. The fastest I would 100%. say is you learn the basics of each hero by playing commoner and then you're able to kind of get, get better. But there's something I really, uh, when you were speaking, like, you're right. Like as a new player, versing like someone who's been playing for a longer time. Uh, the only thing that like really cute kept me going for a long time before I started getting a couple wins is like, I'm like, I remember versing you specifically. Like I was versing Lexi with Phi, and it was like, you beat me and he had 20 health. I was like, cool. That's right. Love it. So
1: you can get that good. Yeah.
0: So uh, he, he was like, he, he had 20, I had 20 health or he had 20 health at zero. And then I, played again and I was at 10 and I was like I have to that's pretty cool and then it was five and then like we eventually had one where it was like one v one and I was like man Marshall went easy out <laughs> like like it's just like the thing of like you, the progression of, of doing that you can you can tell your skills increase against the the bigger players and that's just because you're, you've you been so open on all that stuff so but yeah uh, I don't know where I was going with that tangent but I really like doing it but it's totally cool we're here to talk and we're here to have a good time <laughs> but like really like
1: It is a complicated game. It is a tough game to, you know, not to pick up necessarily because you can get the basics very quickly, but to gain any sort of mastery over, there's a lot of moving parts. You have to keep a lot of stuff in mind. You have to really strategize about what you're going to do, not just in terms of your own deck, but in terms of the matchups as well. So it's relatively easy to pick up, but then to actually, like, learn deeply, it takes some time. Um, So, yeah, you're going to lose a lot. It's just, it's, it's how you learn. It's how you get used to things and how they work. Um, it's going to take a little bit of time to sort of get your feet under you. Um, and you know, when you are getting into it and you're just playing somebody else, like kitchen table style play, you can misplay, you can mess around with some of the deck build and things like that and you can you know you can still do pretty well. You can get it down to like a 5 to 1 sort of thing. But when you come into something that is more competitive that is playing at that higher level, like a single misplay at high level play can obliterate your chances if you misplay a defense reaction if you pitch the wrong thing if you fire this arrow instead of this other arrow um, you can completely stall yourself out and that cost you the game so really like understanding that and understanding the decks and how they all work to that degree that takes time simple fact um, you didn't win a game for a whole month, and then you won a game. and then you just, and from there, I will bet, I'll bet money. He hasn't talked about this or anything, guys. This is not a fix. We don't have anything in on this. I'm just riffing right now. Um, I would bet that once you got that first win, you quickly started to get a higher and higher proportion of wins after that. because you knew the deck, you knew the matchups, you knew what you were going into and could now say to yourself, when Bravo plays this, I have to do this in order to prevent him from doing this. So that next turn I can do this. And just like with chess or something like that, thinking two, three, four steps ahead is necessary, but it's a hard skill to master.
2: 100%. And, I, again, that's the thing is, as you were kind of saying, Matt, is like you. I lost at tw- uh, with the opponent at 20 health. And then I got him to 10. And, again, for this game, I think you can, again, really see the results quickly, especially if you start understanding your cards. So, again, I I I remember the first game I literally played. um, I opened a box. I got a legendary. I said, I'm not going to bring this. They they, they might think I know what I'm doing if I bring this legendary. (laughs) (laughs) It's worth
1: some money. I'm just going to stick it in a box and leave it there.
2: I thought, you know what, I'm I'm just going to bring some uh, common stuff.
0: What was the legendary, by the way?
2: It was uh, the warrior boots from Monarch. I opened a whole box. Oh, nice! And again, I was just looking at flesh and blood. I was getting interested in it, and then when Monarch first released, I was like, oh, "So good! I'll I get, love Monarch." I at a box, and uh, I, I'm blanking on the name of the boots. But Bra- I thought,
0: was it? It wasn't the. Oh, never mind. I have no idea. I was going to say Brave Forge Bracers, but that's the wrong thing.
2: No, those are the gloves. Yeah, but um, uh, Valiant Dynamos. There we there go. There you go. Yep. But uh, we opened those, and I went. And I think I had magic experience, Yu-Gi-Oh! experience. I started putting a lot of Opt cards in my deck because I thought, you know what Opt is? It's so good and magic. I thought this card, like... Th-
1: I get to stack my deck. I get to organize my library exactly. for my pulls. So like.
2: I started putting those cards in. I started putting Ravenous Ravels, which isn't a bad card. But for Dorinthia, which was the first deck I uh, picked up, Yeah, I, I started putting all these cards in. I remember... Uh, the couple of guys around me, they're like, uh, can I look at your deck? And I was like, sure, sure, please do so. And they're like, yeah, see, all of this, it goes against everything is doing. <laughs> and I went, "Ah, oh, that makes sense. So after, again, the, the, the second time I went to an event, my deck had to be like 90% better just because I started to understand the basics. I would say, though, to anyone interested in flesh and blood, or even if you're just new playing, just get out there, play games, ask people, you know, work with them, maybe ask to borrow a deck. Again, one of the best things I feel about our community is we all got extras a lot of times, at least I do. I like to bring them, I want people to play. I would also say if you're starting with the game, try Warrior, try Dorinthia. I'd highly recommend it. She's going to be awesome this next season, and everything's <laughs> got, an you awesome. We got to look in your eye like, all right. Yeah. Dorinthia (laughs) is going to be fire, guys. Again, she did great in the Pro Tour. She's coming back.
1: I, I feel like for starting out, like Dory or Bravo is kind of the way that you should go, just to like get a base understanding of how the game works and like the mechanics involved, and then how to like use hero abilities and how that sort of dictates how the deck works and things. Um, I feel like those two are probably like the best way to and, start. And out. Fi, like I think Fi, and Fi, yeah, fi yeah, is yeah. so beginner. Uh, like like Ninja in general is a very beginner accessible no,
2: class. I would say Fi. <laughs> I I think the first four heroes are actually wonderful. I think any one of them. I think Welcome to Wraith is is one of the best sets I've ever seen designed for a card game. But I think if you do want to try a hero with like a um, a class, right, or I'm blanking on what, you know, the the ability, but I'm saying for me a draconic ninja, Fai is the best hero to understand what that adds. To me, Tales of Aria, um, the heroes are very complicated. I, I It's funny because I personally feel like most of the new players I see and talk to, they want to start with the most hard core heroes. They want to start with Old Him. Or Briar, yeah. And they want to start even with Briar. There's a lot of things to remember. I see a lot of people say, I want to do Lexi. I go, I love Lexi.
1: But no, I, but you really don't want to start I, with her, man. Oh,
2: you, you, oh I highly recommend against it. To me, you want to start with a hero that gives you good blocks. Why? Because you have more opportunities to make the game go longer. You have more opportunities to learn blocks. And the moment you get that down, you can play almost anybody. But if you're making bad decisions on when to block that's how you lose games. Flesh and blood is all about momentum. The moment you lose it, it You're sometimes done. can be so hard to get it back that it just feels frustrating. So
0: There you
1: go. Just just keep it simple to start, everybody. That's a bottom tier top tip.
0: <laughs> bottom tier top tip. Yeah, I, I I agree. Like I you definitely have to like learn and uh my first year was Bolton. And so I think Warrior was great because it really teaches you the attack reactions too and kind of the unexpected like learning that mechanic in itself because like Yu-Gi-Oh! you're just like there and then it goes like in my I don't know I haven't played Yu-Gi-Oh! in a long time Yu-Gi-Oh!
1: was deeply complicated okay cool
0: so like you put a monster on and attacks like you you put your attack card out your weapon attack you attack and then you have an attack reaction it helped me learn that phase a lot that's old easy. Yu-Gi-Oh! Yeah. nah not anymore Yeah,
2: you play a card and then you say can you stop this card and they go I hope to God. <laughs> and if no, that I, can't, I can't you win. Okay, well I'm doing ninety
0: seven other things and that's that's an O T K, my <laughs> friend. That's cool. Well, Marshall, we do have a segment that comes every single time we have our podcast and it's one of our favorite segments. We call it lessons learned lessons learned everybody. Yeah. It's our favorite. What this, uh, uh, section is, is pretty much we talk about how we played flesh and blood this last week and what was the valuable lesson we learned so that we can get better as players. So we can go from the bottom to the top and now we're here. (laughs) I don't know. It's a song, right? Uh, so, uh, what was your lesson learned over these past few weeks of playing flesh and blood?
2: I would say one of the biggest lessons I feel for anything, including Flesh and Blood, there's always something new to learn. I I personally feel the biggest thing people do with Flesh and Blood is they take the meta deck, they go, the deck's perfect. The deck is 100% the way it is. You cannot make changes. Or if you do, it's going to be one card. Again, uh, Again, the deck I was playing for the Pro Tour was Lexi. Again, everyone told me Prism beats you. This is why you can't play it. One of the most famous players, Yuki Lee Bender, she wasn't playing Lexi this weekend for either event, the Pro Tour or The Calling. And I believe, again, it was this mentality of the deck loses. To me, though, I feel like I've lost more games than a lot of people have won on their favorite heroes. And after losing so many games, I can tell you exactly... What the downside is on my here, I can tell you every single card in my deck. I can explain it to you and to me. Me literally, like, kind of hitting my head against the wall has given me the best wins because I go, no, I know what to do. I know what to learn. Even the um, deck I made for Pro Tour, I'm gonna have to change it. Why? Because we're about to get a new meta. And guess what? I'm sure after Briar Lls, I'm gonna have to change it again. I mean, one of the reasons I love Lexi is she's gonna stick around for a while. But my point is, it's, it's, it's always evolving. Again, Briar, when she first started off, she's Cheerios. No one played Channel Mount Heroic. The Bannings happen, or the Erratas, I should say. Now Channel Mount Heroic's the card. Um, when Again, we look at a lot of the decks. Most of them have changed. There's ebbs and flows. Never expect a deck to remain the same. So to me, it's like pick something you love, pick something you can grow on, and really think about what you can do maybe to set yourself apart. Flesh and Blood, you'll get some of your biggest wins from confusing your opponent. If we're all playing the same a deck and I have one different card than everyone else, I'm going to make them think an extra 30 seconds. And if that 30 seconds makes them misthink or miscalculate, well, I have an advantage.
0: I like that. I like that. Greg, how, good. About, how about you, Greg? Lessons learned. Um, the biggest thing for me this
1: last week has been uh, really thinking about the deck itself. Like we, We've been playing a lot of commoner. I've been putting together a new CC deck... Um, and in kind of doing both of those things, it's really forced me to slow down and actually look at the composition of the deck beyond just like, am I running enough blues for this Guardian? Or do I have enough, you know, zero costs for this room Blade or something like that? Um, not just, you know, figuring out whether or not mechanically can you pull something off, but is what you're pulling off actually going to be the most efficient use of these cards? And if not, can you sub something else in to sort of, you know, bring those along a little bit? Um, sort of on this you know odyssey i've had of figuring out who my new cc hero is which guys if you haven't been keeping up yes. with these episodes <laughs> like please keep up with these episodes i feel like this is like the 40th time i've plugged it and using this exact same setup yeah so please somebody somebody pay attention um so working through that it's really you know sort of been sort of that next step along learning the game really deeply, like we were talking about a few minutes ago, F- going from, you know, you know, I, I am very, you know, in this place, I'm, I'm, so, I'm sort of complacent and going from that sort of complacency to something that's a little bit deeper, a little bit wider, a little bit uh, more in depth um, has been just a really fascinating process. And it's helped my understanding of the game um, to the point where, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to feel pretty good about things. I'm still losing a lot, like all the time. Like I, I, I get my butt kicked frequently, um, but you know I still have a good time doing it. And each time I lose, I'm picking up another little piece, so that when the time comes when I really you know break out, I feel like it's going to be a really powerful breakout, and it's just going to be like I, I will have found my place. So the lesson that I've learned really is is to slow down a little bit, think about the deck, and think
0: about the matchups, and see what you can leverage out of it. And if something's not working, make that change. Yeah, are we gonna get a hero reveal real fast? Of who you're working on? or Are you gonna save it for another time?
1: Do 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 we want to do that? Like it's up to you. Okay, I've I, I've played around a little bit. I've decided I'm going with Oldham. Everybody, I uh, yeah, I uh, I've I've almost got it complete. I've got like four or five more of the uh, Majestics I need to pick up. Uh, another oak and old, a couple of uh, of things like that.
2: A meta pick, clearly, guys. Oh
1: yeah, obviously, because <laughs> you know here, here at the bottom is <laughs> here. <tier, laughs> We're all about that meta. <laughs> oh, yeah. 100%. Um, but no, honestly, it's, it's a fairly orthodox olden deck I'm putting together. Um, as time goes on, as I get more familiar with yeah. it and more comfortable, it'll start taking on its own flavor. But, you know, it's, you know, Spinal Crush.
2: Is, hey. is it true that I heard you're running 16 pummels? Oh, okay, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. In,
1: in, an absolutely illegal amount of
2: pummels.
0: That's actually the card we were given by Legend Studios was oh. Pummel 2. Exactly. Oh, it's almost two electric boogaloo. Exactly. Two pummels in one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's kind
1: of nuts. I feel like it's going to be a big shakeup. You heard it here first, folks. Double pummel. <laughs>
0: um, awesome. Awesome. Uh, for me, my lesson learned. Um, funny enough, the last time I played, uh, I played a new Jemai deck that I made. Uh, that was for CC. Um, and I'm used to playing Phi. And I was just like, I'm just going to try it out. I don't really know. Like, I understand how to play mind at a fundamental level. And then I won three of the games and lost one. And I was like, I okay, to- cool. I was like, I need to learn what these cards mean. And that's lessons lesson. <laughs> like, I was like, oh, like, I'm just summoning this dragon. And then uh, it was like, oh, this dragon actually helps me here. Like, it doesn't have phantasm. You can't pop it. And they're like, what? And I was like, yeah. And so it was kind of cool to be like, now I need to know, like, like I, I never got to summon like a big dragon. Like um, there's the big dragons, but I never got to summon the like
2: majestic ones. The
0: majestic ones, and the I was Mania like, or I don't really Demire. think they're worth summoning." In my opinion, but like, I need to figure out like why they're in my deck for the first. Like they do big things, but I just never had a circumstance that I like had to summon them or like anything. And that
1: that for for Dromai, and to get off on a little bit of a tangent, I'm sorry to steal your your lessons learned. From <laughs> no, you. um, but like for my it it. It's really situational, right? Like what dragons you want to run. Yeah, like Dominia. great card, but very expensive in a deck that runs mostly reds. Like oh, for like sure, finding 100%. that four resource, like that's that's tricky. Um, so it's really like it's 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 a cost for value thing. It, right. And like working out where that is for you in, in your draw, my flavor like that, that seems like the trickiest part of that hero. Yeah, it,
0: it was tricky, but like the thing that would surprised me, like, uh, is like I won, I was three, one, but like the one that I lost was like very close. I fi- realized that Katsu is like a super hard counter to Dromai because mm-hmm. they get all those on hit effects, but we were really close. We were one, one. And I was going to, if he didn't pull it off there, it was like, it was mine. Right. Cause I was doing arcane damage and they were out all that type of stuff. But with, um, with the other decks I versed, which was, uh, Icelander, which is like, obviously like with all the dragons, you're able to counter that pretty well. Um, a briar. And I forget, there was like another one in there that I, that I forgot about. Uh, like I had like 12, 10 to like 20 points on them. And I was like, and Gerai either like, people were not prepped to verse Jermai, which could be a possibility, or, like, I was accidentally playing well. Like, I wasn't, like, in my right mindset. Probably so Probably a little bit of boring. Maybe, for sure. So, my lesson learned was, like, I need to know now, like, like, I need to understand, because I just took a list and did it. I need to, like, learn a more understanding of, like, why these cards were so offensive and, like, great against it. And so, my lesson learned is just kind of to learn, I guess, is what it was, is... The lesson is to learn. The lesson is to learn. You need to learn a lesson. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Well, awesome. Well, guys, uh, this is getting close to the end of our podcast, but Marshall, thank you so much for being on the show.
1: Yeah, man, we really appreciate you having you down here. We had a heck of a good time, I feel like. Um, And hopefully we'll get you back down here again soon.
2: Oh, definitely. I had a great time. I was happy to be on here and uh, be able to talk to you guys about uh, flesh and blood. Again, to me, it's a, Nothing without the community. So uh, being here is a, a great honor, guys.
0: Of course. Thanks, man. Uh, what is? Is there anything you want to plug? Anything you want people to yeah, go if, to? If, or anything if, like if, that? if you have any shout outs, if you have any
1: you know, social media you want people to follow in on charities you like, uh general messages.
2: It's I'll your plug time. Uh, my uh, PayPal. It's not good. Uh, <laughs> Join the Patreon, everybody. <laughs> nah, all I would say is um, for flesh and blood, play what you like. Again, don't try to just go, I want to go meta. Again, there's every hero is unique. To me, some of the hardest matches I've ever faced has been considered some of the worst heroes. Uh, as a Lexi player, Azalea every time scares me. I don't lose, but uh, she scares me. Um, Levia, I know a player uh, named Scott who plays her, and my gosh, I ripped my hair out like crazy one. playing it. So my point <laughs> is, uh, is if you enjoy the game, stick in there. If you enjoy the people, it's going to become easier and more fun and just play what you enjoy. Again, they'll tell you that this doesn't work, but trust me, if you, you think about it hard enough, it'll eventually work.
1: Well, you heard it here first, folks. Thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. I am Greg. I'm Matt. And we are the bottom tier, my friends. Have a wonderful rest of your day. We'll see you next time.